-hmm. we typically live longer than men and we are paid less than men. Mm -hmm. So we have all of those things that we have to overcome. So when we're in our fifties and we're starting over, we, we need some additional Additional, information, additional support. And after I was able to recover financially, I said, I am going to make this a business, not just teach it at my church, but I am going to make it a business and take it outside the four walls Mm -hmm. so I can help other women to understand their money superpower, where you are right now, you can get to your goal and you may not have the total retirement amount that you had planned for, but you can still do something with what you have. And so that's my mission really to encourage women, especially those over 40, over 50, we're starting over to realize that you can do what you, with what you have, you can do a lot more than you think you can do. Welcome to Gladiatrix. I am woman and hear me roar. I'm your host, Malini Sarma. Every week, I will be speaking with women from all over the world who will be sharing their journeys, their stories about overcoming their fears and achieving great things that they thought they never could. So if you don't want to miss a story, make sure you subscribe. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the amazing, beautiful, badass women who have been guests on this show. I had a mission to travel to every country in the world, but since that didn't work out, my new mission is to speak to at least one woman from every country in the world. There are 193 countries, and I still have at least 180 to go. So, If you know of somebody who has an amazing story to tell, let me know. I'm all ears. You can reach me on Instagram at Malani Sarma, on my website, MalaniSarma.com, or on Facebook at Malani Sarma, M-A-L-I-N-I-S-A-R-M-A. In today's episode, we're speaking with Dr. Severin Ryan. Dr. Sev was born and raised in the Caribbean island of Jamaica, but she moved to the United States in her late 20s. She is passionate about personal finance and taught it at her church for a number of years. It was only in her 50s that she decided to pursue a doctorate in accounting. It was during those tenuous five years that she ended up filing for divorce and forced her to use and practice the very principles that she was teaching at her church. Today, Dr. Sev has her own YouTube channel, Dr. Sev Talks Money. She's in the process of writing a book and continues to help people through her business. And this is her story. Hey, Dr. Sev, thank you so much for being on my show. I'm so excited to hear your story and share it with the rest of the world. Thank you so much for inviting me. I am excited to be here and to share my story. Awesome. So you were born and raised in the Caribbean island of Jamaica, but you moved to the U.S. in your 20s. So tell me a little bit more about your experience growing up on the island. What was it like? Well, I had a normal childhood or what I consider normal. Mm -hmm. Uh, Going to school and church, hanging out with friends you know, eating fresh fruit, like mangoes and bananas from my tree in the backyard, uh, catching crawfish in the river behind my house, just a normal 
childhood. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was so looking back now, I realized that we did a lot of things that would be considered dangerous because we'd be on the street, you know, at night, hanging out with our friends, mm-hmm. you know, walking to your friend's house down the street. And now you can't even do that because it is really, really dangerous. But we, I had a pretty normal, fun childhood. So were you an only child? Uh, you, did you have like siblings? Yes, um, I brothers had and siblings. Sisters? Yes, I have brothers and sisters. Yes. Okay. So you you were you were busy, and you know that was a time <laughs> that was a time when you know I remember growing up. It's like you'd be out till it was dark. I mean, yes. You know there was no television and you know, cell phones or anything like that. So it was more about you had to find friends to play with and keep yourself occupied. So it was a different kind of fun, right? Yes. Yes. It made you creative because yes. you didn't have all of those distractions, electronic distractions. True. So it, it, you, in order to have fun, you had to be creative to come mm-hmm. up with games. I mean, we played all kinds of games, hopscotch, marbles, mm-hmm. all, you know, all those fun climbing things. Trees, that, yes. Climbing trees. <laughs> yes. Going swimming. Climbing, yeah. <laughs> climbing the neighbor's trees and picking their fruit. <laughs> yep. Yep. And getting in trouble for that. That was the thing. Yes. That was when you got into trouble. When when you were playing ball and the ball hit and broke the neighbor's, you know, window <laughs> or you plucked the fruits from their tree and you had to run because, they, you know, they were chasing you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Those were the days. <laughs> yes. Those were the days. But today, you're building your own business and you're actually helping people understand finances but growing up is that what you wanted to do what did you want to do what what what, what were you dreaming about I wanted to be a teacher I actually had an older sister who taught me in high school Mm -hmm. and I always wanted to be a teacher I wanted to tell people what to do (laughs) I like that (laughs) and I can remember lining up stones on my veranda and teaching them. And those stones kind of got a they got quite a number of spankings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, even though I took a roundabout journey and accidentally fell into accounting, which is a story in itself. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear cont- that. I want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And continued in the accounting path for many years. I ended up being a teacher, quote unquote, because now I teach and mentor on personal finance. And I actually have been doing that for about 15 years or so. And two on my, one of my side businesses is being an academic coach where I assist accounting and business instructors with grading assignments, responding to discussion questions and student emails. I don't want to be a full teacher because I don't want the politics behind it Mm -hmm. and all the paperwork, but this way I get to enjoy the teaching part of, uh, of that uh, position mm-hmm. by being an academic coach, I'm assisting the instructor and I still get to teach the kids kind of, you know, right. <laughs> and, and so with, with the personal finance business and this, it really satisfies that desire to be a teacher. So how did you get into accounting? Well, I, after high school in Jamaica, mm-hmm. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life myself. Mm -hmm. And I went to the Bahamas. I had family in the Bahamas. I went there for a year. And after a year, I came back, still had no idea what I wanted to do. So I got the newspaper and I looked in it, trying to find a job, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. what can I do? And I saw a job and it said, flower arranger. 
I had no idea what that meant, Mm -hmm. but it was a job. It Mm -hmm. was open. So I applied and they hired me. And so I was learning around their back, you know, in the back, Mm -hmm. learning how to arrange flowers. Mm -hmm. And one day the lady that handled the accounting was out sick. And the owner, knowing that I had passed my O-levels accounting, called me in an office and told me she wanted me to to take over that position. So I went in and I was like, I love this. I love accounting, Mm -hmm. the analytical part of it. Uh, So I went back to taking my A-levels accounting and that that was it. That was history. So from then on, you've been pretty much in the accounting business in some that, form or another. Yes, in the accounting field, in in all kinds of capacities. Yes. So you went from, you know, landing into accounting by mistake or mm-hmm. by, by chance, and now you are you have a PhD. You're Doctor Sab. So how did that happen? Well. I actually started my doctoral journey at 50 years old. I was 50 years old when I started. And this is after I came to the United States. I came to the United States. I was 29, I want to say. And I actually went to a technical school because I didn't understand the educational system. I didn't understand what it took to be an accountant here. And when I found out it was going to be clerical jobs, I said, that's not really what I want. So I went back to the two-year college, the community college, Mm -hmm. and I got a scholarship. What they call that at the time, two by two, where they covered your scholarship, your classes in Mm -hmm. the community college. And then when you transfer to the four-year college, they covered the two years there. So I had that kind of scholarship. So thankfully, I didn't have student loans. Mm -hmm. And after I did that and I worked for a while, I decided to apply for a teaching position at a school. By then I was in Georgia mm-hmm. um, and I applied and they told me I didn't have enough credit. So I needed to go back to school. Well, actually that was after my master's. So I had gotten my master's, my company paid for it and I applied and they told me I didn't have enough accounting credits. And then I started researching and I realized that, you know, what it requires to mm-hmm. teach Um, at the college level. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, I'll just go ahead and do my doctorate because I can do a lot of things with it. So Mm -hmm. I started at 50 years old. And after a few stops and starts, I completed it at 56, which is just over three years ago. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Because I know know how tough of a journey it is doing a PhD. I think there are more times than you think that you don't want to do it than you want to actually try and finish it because I know it it is a very hard thing. So you achieve the highest level of education, um, you know, and that is quite the accomplishment. So congratulations. Thank you. I mean, there are nights when I cried and I did not want to do this thing and I cried, but thankfully, it is over. And, uh, you know, the main things that I did after getting the doctorate really was changing jobs um, mm. because I felt I was underpaid where I was and pursuing the academic coaching position and then starting my business. Those were the me- main three things that I did in the last three years after getting um, the doctorate. Now, you, all, you know, on, on, on your personal side, too, you were going through a lot of turbulence. You had a rough, um, you know, you, you got divorced, you have a daughter, yes. and you were managing all of that while you were, you know, trying to figure out what you were going to do. So can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yes. Um, I was actually very active in my church because, as I said, I was teaching um, personal finance for a number of years and it was all at my church. Very active. Um, I taught Bible study and uh, children's church while I was there. Very active in my daughter's school. I was room mom for all of the years <laughs> she was in school mm-hmm. and um, I was working my nine to five and trying to do this doctorate business. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, at the same time, I had no support and there were some other things that were going on in my house. I ended up filing for divorce because it just, it, it, it wasn't worth the stress. Mm-hmm. And um, because I can't be, I can't fight you at the same time. I'm fighting the world trying to do all these things. And then mm-hmm. I'm fighting you too, because I have no support. And there were some other things why I ended up filing for divorce. Mm-hmm. But yes, I, and I still push through. Uh, sometimes I don't know how I made it looking mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I couldn't tell you what I did. I just, it was just daily, hourly pushing forward, doing what I needed to do uh, to make sure I, I completed the journey. And, mm-hmm. and also wanted to tell my daughter to show her mm-hmm. that when you set your mind to doing something that you can accomplish it despite the obstacles. And that's one of the things that was in the back of my mind when I wanted to quit because I didn't want her to see that, mm-hmm. that obstacles caused me to quit. So um, going through because I know what a struggle it is. You know, we, we, I think we as women tend to just uh, kind of put our blinders on and then just keep mm-hmm. doing because especially for the yes. sake of our children, we want to make sure that, you know, they're safe and they're taken yes. care of and it's our responsibility. So what kind of a support system did you have? Or what did you do? Or did you not? I mean, or was it just the the daily schedule that kind of kept you going and, you know, going to church and, you know, watching your daughter and having the routine of, oh, you have to get all these assignments done and, you know, making sure you had enough money. What kind of support system did you have? I actually had no support system. Uh, my mom understood, you know, and she but of course, my mom had never had high education. So the most she could say is encourage me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and despite the fact that I was at this church for 19 years, I did not have the support mm-hmm. that I thought I would have. I wasn't expecting anyone to, you know, come clean my house or mm-hmm. any, you know, anything like that. But at least kind of encourage me, just say words to encourage me. I did not have that at all. I had a few friends who were actually going through their thing. Mm -hmm. So we kind of encouraged each other. And I guess you could say that was my support system. But in the broader sense, Mm -hmm. I really did not have a a support system. It was just knowing what I needed to do and just putting putting one foot in front of the other and getting it done. Mm -hmm. So your um, journey, getting getting your PhD was a huge feather in your cap because you were juggling all these different things. Did something change once you got your PhD? Did you like have this epiphany of like, oh yes, I've made it, or you were just so tired or you were just kind of like, okay, this is done now. I need to keep going and do the next thing. How did, you know, because you're talking, you're, you're talking about personal finance and you help people figure things out, but then you were also going through your personal stuff too. And how did all of that play together? You well, know, uh, helping other people. When, well, when I was done, I didn't want to do anything. I said I was going to celebrate, and I I have not even celebrated yet, not really fully. Um, I did take my daughter and I. We went to a three day weekend in Savannah, Georgia, and we took the 
boat. I, they have like this little boat you go out and you for the day and you eat and you have music and all of that. That was the extent of my quote unquote celebration. I haven't really celebrated. Um, I think all the days and nights of being up till two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, I think I'm suffering or I suffered from PTSD at the end Mm -hmm. because your body gets so accustomed for over five years of little sleep, always going, always going, always doing that. It's, it's, it took a while for Mm -hmm. me to kind of get out of that phase. And even now I have to really talk myself into going to bed on time. Mm -hmm. So it took a while. And for the the coaching, that part of it, one of the reasons I wanted to do that is after my divorce, because he decided to get a lawyer, I had to end up getting a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So I had all those expenses. And ironically, I came into the marriage with a lot of assets and he had really none. But no. he wanted half my 401k. He wanted all that stuff. So I had to now really apply the things I've been teaching in a more deeper way mm-hmm. to rebuild my savings account, to rebuild my net worth, to get from now a 500 credit back into the 700s like I was before. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things I did was I had to walk away from my house um, on -hmm. advice of my lawyer to walk away because he would not abide by the divorce decree to allow me to sell the house. Mm -hmm. So my name was the only one on the the financing. So I and I had added his name to the deed, so I had to take him back to court. By the time I did that and that all that process, my credit was shocked. Mm-hmm. So I had to put now do all these things, and I'm doing these things, and I'm thinking, I'm in my fifties, and I'm starting over, mm-hmm. and I am aware that there are two statistics against women. Mm-hmm. We typically live longer than men, right. and we are paid less than right. men. Mm-hmm. So we have all of those things that we have to overcome. So when we're in our fifties and we're starting over, we, we need some additional Additional, information, additional support. And after I was able to recover financially, I said, I am going to make this a business, not just teach it at my church, but I am going to make it a business and take it outside the four walls Mm -hmm. so I can help other women to understand their money superpower, understand Mm -hmm. that it doesn't matter where you are right now, you can get to your goal and you may not have the total retirement amount that you had planned for, but you can still do something with what you have. And so that's my mission really to encourage women, especially those over 40, over 50, we're starting over to realize that you can do what you, with what you have, you can do a lot more than you think you can do and not to get bogged down by, man, I wish I had, or I wish I didn't, but what do you have now? And Mm -hmm. how can we take that and make the best of it going forward? Wow. That is, that is really commendable because one, you had to walk away. You came in with so much, so there was no prenup. So of course, you know, those days probably none of us, you know, had a prenup or anything. So and, and the way the laws work over here, it's usually 50-50 after you've been together for more than 15 years or something, right? Yes. So now you had to you had to share or you had to walk away just to keep your sanity, right? Yes, yes. 
and and now you've you've took it from where like you said your credit score was shot because i i see a lot of women your a my age and we're that we're on this you know you're uh, i'm a little younger than you but i'm also in my 50s mm-hmm. and i have seen women not not know what to do because they are struggling because they have no clue because their husbands took care of everything you know yes. and i have friends who you know lost their spouse and they had to figure things out and it was hard it's hard when nobody you don't want to ask anybody because they think you're stupid you don't want them to think you're stupid but at the same time it's stupid if you don't figure it out because then you'd be taken for a ride and you wouldn't know how to survive and that's not that's unacceptable yeah there's a stigma that we attach to money mm-hmm. and i don't know where that came from but there's a stigma we attach to money and we make it seem like if i don't have then i am this awful person and mm-hmm. that's not true Mm-hmm. That is not true. Money is simply a tool. Mm-hmm. And if I don't know how to use a saw or a hammer, then I learn how to use the saw and the hammer. And it's the same with money. It's just a tool. And uh, I would say to anybody that's listening, don't allow what you don't have or what you don't know to shame you into not making an effort to learn about that thing that you don't know. If you don't know about investments, take your time and break it down into bite-sized pieces and listen to podcasts, listen to YouTube videos, listen, get a a certifiable person on on YouTube. Not because not everybody shares the, I listen to some things and I'm like, whoa, where Mm -hmm. are they coming from with that? Mm -hmm. So you have to be careful who you listen to, but there are some good podcasts out there that will help you break the information down so you understand if it's investments you want to learn about, if it's saving, how can I save? Learn one thing. Just make it a a habit to say, I'm going to learn this one thing this month and I'm going to apply it. And the next month, I'm going to learn something else and I'm going to apply it. And there are personal finance coaches like I am or personal finance advisors who are fee-based, who they charge you a fixed fee and you go in and you you ha- have them help you set up a plan. So there are there are sources out there. They are there are resources. So I would say to, wh- to whoever is listening, don't be ashamed of your financial financial situation. There is nobody except somebody who maybe was born into wealth. Mm-hmm. That there is other than that person, there is nobody who has not made a personal a financial de- uh, de- decision that was detrimental. Right. We've all done that. Mm-hmm. We've all gone from a place of I didn't know or I made a wrong decision mm-hmm. about our money mm-hmm. to now learning about it. So don't be ashamed to seek the help that you need. Okay. No, this is, that's very, very good advice because I think we tend to like not want to tell people because we don't want to want to be judged, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, you've got to take care of yourself. So yeah, yes. reach out. Yes. And, and there's so many resources out there and there are lots of women now starting to get into finance and helping each other out. And I think so. I think it's a great space, but when you, mm-hmm. um, when you finished your PhD and then you realized that, you know, that things were, you really needed to educate your, not only uh, um, you had to educate people, but you also had to apply all the things mm-hmm. that you were teaching. Were you teaching like a basic finance, like how to do budgeting and what's a credit card and what's a credit score? Or were you doing something more like, you know, helping people figure things out? Uh, so what, how did you start your business? Well, I decided, um, you know, as I, as I got older, that 
again, to take it outside the four walls of the church. And so I started looking at what can I do to actually make this a, a, a viable business? What can I do to make it legal? And, and this is actually my second business. My first business was a uh, was a tax preparation business, which I closed down when I started my doctorate because that was, it was just too much on my plate. So mm-hmm. I closed it down. Um, but I decided to research and I found a cohort. Uh, there was a group that they were showing anybody, not, not just women, it was most of women, but it's, they were showing you things to consider when you're setting up your, your business in a legal sense, you know, the website and, mm-hmm. you know, getting the LLC and all of that. So I registered my business. Um, it was fairly easy to just get on the Georgia website, mm-hmm. um, you know, Secretary of State website and registered the Brian Financial Empowerment LLC was, is the name of my business. And I registered that, went to the IRS website and got my employer identification number. It was fairly easy to do all of that. Mm -hmm. So once I did all of that, then I started the YouTube Mm -hmm. trying to share information because I was trying to, with the YouTube, I'm trying to develop a, the no like trust factor, because when you're dealing with money, people are, they want to know, they don't want to know what you know, they want to know how you can help them. Exactly. <laughs> and so uh, I, I decided to do the YouTube and and kind of, which is called Dr. Seb Talks Money, and just share that information. I also do one-on-one coaching with um, people who wanted to, to talk about their budgets, who want to talk about student loans, how they can manage their student loans, how they can manage their credit cards, how they can build their credit scores, um, cash flow management just general debt management. Um, those are the kinds of things that I work with my one-on-one, co- um, bi- um, my one-on-one clients with. Um, but one of the things, well, two of the things I want to do in the future is speak to larger women's group. I did that in, in the church setting, but I want to speak to larger women's group mm-hmm. in, in at conferences so I can mm-hmm. share information on a broader scale. Okay. Uh, so that's some of what's in the work uh, for me. And I'm working on that as we speak. <laughs> so um, when starting the business, because you said, you know, starting uh, getting on the website and just uh, getting your EIN number and doing forming the LLC was the easy part. What was the hardest part? I think the hardest part was starting, just doing it. <laughs> because I said to myself, why would anybody want to hear from me? Mm-hmm. Why would, you know, what do I have to tell? And that um, imposter syndrome kicked in mm-hmm. and start thinking. Then I start, and it's ironic because you know how when you want to buy a car mm-hmm. and you decide, I want to buy this type of car, all of a sudden, everywhere you go, you see that car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like everywhere I look, I saw women personal finance coaches. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at what they were doing and I was thinking, nobody wants to hear from me. There's a Suze Orman. There is, mm-hmm. a, you know, all these women. No. And somebody said to me, everybody knows something that somebody else doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And they said, there are people who know less than you. So those are people. Mm-hmm. So whatever you know, those people need to know it. So mm-hmm. don't let imposter syndrome stop you from starting because 
you have your people that are waiting on you. So that was the, the kick I needed to really start. So that was the hardest part is just going out there, putting myself out there as this personal finance coach, you know, mm-hmm. who, who are you to do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that was the hardest part of starting the business. So you, um, you said you were on YouTube. Uh, you've been mm-hmm. on YouTube about a year now, right? Yes. Uh, 14, 14 months. Ah, congratulations. Cause I know I how do. hard it is to be on YouTube. So tell me a little bit more about your YouTube experience. What did you find? Um, what did you find about YouTube that you were surprised about? Oh, you know, what were your impressions about YouTube starting going in and a year later? What did you think? Well, actually how easy it was that that's, that was a surprise. Oh, okay. Because it took me a while. I actually, it took me about a month before I even posted a video. I created the account and I thought about all these things that I needed. And my seven, I had a computer that I started with was seven years old. It was actually falling apart. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it fell because I held it by the top and it separated from Oops. the bottom. <laughs> yes. And that computer was what I started with. That's mm-hmm. it. I didn't start with a microphone. I didn't start with a camera. I used a camera on the computer. Mm-hmm. So it was very easy to start. Um, uh, one of the things, though, I think is, the, the, I guess a tough part of it is knowing that you have great content, mm-hmm. but knowing that there are pe- people, the way the algorithm works is it makes it, it can be discouraging when you're sharing something that, you know, the few people that watch, they are, they are changed by it. It, it impacts them. And mm-hmm. you're hoping more people watch it, but the people that the channels that YouTube seems to push are the ones with a million subscribers and a oh, you know, hundred thousand okay. subscribers and all of that. So for me, I'm just being consistent mm-hmm. and I'm going to share uh, because I have to keep in mind. And, and this is what I remind myself that I'm not here to necessarily make money. money right. I'm using YouTube to share this information and to build a community of people. Awesome. Not just an audience, but a community. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I want to build a community that anywhere I am, if I'm speaking or whatever, they're like, oh, Severin is speaking. I want to I want to be there mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. a community mm-hmm. that will support you no matter what. And so that's my my goal with YouTube is really to disseminate the information that I have, personal mm-hmm. finance, mm-hmm. and my people will find me. Yes. <laughs> they will find me. Yes. They always say when the student is ready, the teacher will come. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. You know, you should be so proud of achieving all your goals. I mean, in spite of everything that was going on and, you know, you financially got, you got hit, but you were still, you were able to pick up where, you know, you started and you built yourself a business and then you got multiple businesses and you're helping so many people. You're on YouTube and you're also writing a book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. Is it about your life? Do you want to share a little bit about that? Because I know yeah. that lots of people are like, Ooh, I want to write a book. So. Yes, I am writing a book. I am sharing the things that I went through, and um, and despite um, all of what I went through, how I was able to rebuild my my financial life. So, in the book, is I'm going to be sharing my uh, my story, and then I'm also going to be attaching to each story 
or each point, the, the personal finance thing that I did, you know, mm. whatever I did to be able to come back from, um, from being in the hole financially. So okay. I'm hoping that it's going to encourage somebody mm-hmm. to know that it is never too late to start and you can always, always begin again. That's right. I mean, would that be so for somebody who wanted to, you know, especially women who are marginalized and want to follow their dreams and they're like, oh my God, I don't know. Is that what, is that what you would tell them? Yeah, I would, first I would tell them to find the thing that feeds your soul. Um, Find that thing. If you Mm -hmm. can't make it your nine to five, then make it a part-time thing Mm -hmm. because you're going to need that thing to sustain you because here's the thing. It is a fact that marginalized groups face bigger economic and other barriers. It is Mm -hmm. a fact. Mm -hmm. It is an undisputable fact that we do face bigger barriers. Mm -hmm. We we pay more for loans. We are more, we have more student loans. And one of the reasons, because we don't have the history of, you know, the, our mom and dad or our parents being the, the, the president of the company and the mm-hmm. vice president or whatever, mm-hmm. our parents were the cleaners and, you know, mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm, I'm generalizing because of course there were some that were the president, but in general, mm-hmm. the marginalized community, our parents are the ones that were the janitors. They were, were the ones that were the clerks. Mm-hmm. So we were not the ones that were the, in the higher managerial levels with all that money that can help now our kids or help and they couldn't help us. So mm-hmm. we have to take on loans. So it is a fact that, and of course, that we, we face those kind of barriers. Mm-hmm. So what I would say is identify that those barriers exist, but don't dwell on them. Okay. Because fussing about the fact that the barriers exist is going to do nothing but frustrate you. So identify those barriers. Once you realize that they exist, then you figure out where, how can I go around those barriers? How can I go over those barriers? So I would say, don't be afraid to pivot. Don't be afraid to change the way you're doing things. Find a group of people who are trying to get on the same journey that you Mm. are getting on. So they can encourage you. They can correct you, guide you where you need to go. You know, and for me doing the nine to five and building businesses, I'm in a unique position somebody doing just a nine to five won't understand my struggles. Mm -hmm. Somebody just doing a business won't understand my struggle. Mm -hmm. But now I find myself with groups of women who are doing both and Mm -hmm. they, when they understand my frustration. So find the group, the niche that is in the same position that you are in, because then Mm -hmm. you can encourage each other, share each other's milestones. It is a lonely journey. Mm-hmm. building a business. Yes. It is very lonely. Mm-hmm. And so find, that's what I would say to them. And another thing, get a mentor. If you, if you can't afford a, a one-to-one mentor, they're group men, me, mentorships, get into one of those. Um, somebody who's been there, mm-hmm. they are the ones that can guide you through any pitfalls. So Yes, we do face barriers as marginalized groups, mm-hmm. but there are ba- there are ways around it. Mm-hmm. And um, just make sure you're in the get yourself in the right environment that will nurture what it is that you're doing. All very very powerful words and very you know good piece of advice. Um, you just can't give up hope, right? No. So, no. Um, so I had one last question. Looking back, knowing what you know now. What are some of the key financial lessons you've learned 
or wish you had learned? One I wish I had learned, and I'm, I'm really teaching my daughter that, is I wish I understood the power of compounding. I, I knew it, but I just didn't know it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, if I had known about things like Roth IRA and contributed even $50 per month, even $50, mm-hmm. I can, I, I've done the calculation just to see where I would be. Mm-hmm. I would be hundreds of thousands richer than mm-hmm. I am now. And, and the fact that the Roth IRA, you can withdraw that money tax-free, free, right? you know, it, it, there's, there's nothing like it. So I wish I had known that, mm-hmm. but as soon as I knew it, I started it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's one of those, it's never too late. Things. Right. And yeah. And so that's one of the things I, I wish I had known. Another thing I wish is that I started my personal finance business earlier than I did. Um, as an actual business and not just, you know, staying in terms uh, of helping okay. people mm-hmm. uh, because I, there were so many people that I could have helped if they mm-hmm. knew that I had that business. I could have put myself out there more er, and, and earlier so that I could help more people. And another thing that I think I have learned that really is not financial, but it comes back to being financial is to learn how to automate and outsource. I ah. wish I'd learned that earlier. Saves you time. Saves you time. Yes. Saves me time, which equates to money. <laughs> yes. So those yeah. are some of the things I wish I had learned uh, when I was here. So, so uh, they're all, all, all relevant, even today, even today. Yes. So if yes. somebody's listening and you haven't started a Roth IRA, go start one. Go open it. Yes. It's not hard. Um, so you're on That's YouTube. Me. Uh, do you also have a website? Do you want to talk a little bit more about your where you're available? People want to get a hold of you, want to see you, want to book a call with you. Where can they go? The easiest thing to do is go to my website because then all of my other social medias are linked there. And my website is Sev Talks Money. So the S E V Talks Money.com. Awesome. And they can find my YouTube, my Instagram, and all of that through my website. Very cool. Well, thank you, Dr. Sev. I really do appreciate you taking the time today. Good luck on your book. And I will see you on YouTube because okay. um, I know I know you, um, you're you on there on Saturdays. No, actually on Sundays. I go live every Sunday oh, afternoon. Sunday. Okay. Yes, every Sunday afternoon at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, I go live. And this Sunday, I'll be talking about, well, I don't know your when this broadcast will be published, but I'll be talking about student loans uh, for the next two Sundays. And I'll have some guest speakers talking about student loans. Awesome. Well, definitely, I'll definitely post it um, on the show notes. And I really, really appreciate you taking the time today. And I I know whoever's listening is definitely going to take away some gems from this because this has been really good. I learned a couple things too. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I had fun. Oh, me too. (laughs) Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you love the show, please leave a review. Just remember, you could be one story away from being inspired.